This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Well, hello and welcome to the show. I'm Sterling Fox. In just a few minutes, our friends from Can Sleep will be along with solid information to help you sleep, breathe, and live better. If you're tired of being tired, this may be the show you need to hear. First, though, a look at some of the top consumer stories of the week. And with Black Friday behind us, behind us rather, and Cyber Monday up tomorrow, and with billions being spent online for the next several weeks, here are some mistakes to avoid while doing your virtual shopping, including avoid promotional emails supposedly from retailers because many of them are from hackers. Security experts advise you to just go to the retailer's own website to check for deals. It's much safer. Next, use credit cards, the bank's money, not debit cards, your own money. The banks have much better protection features and your risk of losing any loot is reduced considerably. Surprisingly, some experts say stay away from free public Wi-Fi networks while out shopping. Hackers can create virtual websites that look like the real thing and then they steal all your info when you log in. And here's something that doesn't occur to me very often. Beware of infected gift cards. Security pros tell us thieves can easily steal numbers from cards on racks. Then they wait for you to buy the card and then drain the balance. The recommendation? Only buy gift cards from behind the counter at a legitimate store. Online, same careful approach. Use only reputable and secure websites to buy gift cards. Well, the consumer numbers flying around this weekend are huge. Here's more from Below the Border. Total holiday season spending is projected to increase this year, and online shopping is projected to be about 11% of the total. In the U.S., shoppers are going to order just a whisker under $95 billion worth of merchandise through their screens this year. And most of those items will be shipped. And fear of the repeat of the late delivery fiasco of 2013 motivates shippers to develop develop new technology, and they now prepare year-round for shopping frenzy season. Both uh, the big U.S. shipping companies also beef up their workforces for the holidays. UPS hiring just under 100,000 seasonal employees, FedEx about half that much. And both companies, by the way, do have some advice for guaranteed delivery. Shop early. A couple of vehicle recalls this week. Kia will advise nearly 72,000 U.S. owners of 09 and 08 Sportages to arrange for an inspection. These units will be examined for corrosion in a circuit board, possibly caused by a faulty seal, which, if found, will be replaced. The corrosion has been blamed for several engine compartment fires, or, as Kia calls them, thermal events. If you're an owner, you should be receiving a notice soon. The other recall, also coming soon in mid-January, will see Toyota recall over 700,000 2016 Sienna minivans because of a possibility under certain limited conditions that the sliding doors may open while driving. 
Toyota says it's working on a solution to a likely sliding door mechanism issue, and owners of these vehicles in the States will receive a letter in January with more instructions. Up here, Transport Canada issued a recall notice citing the same sliding door issue this week, affecting just over 60,000 Siennas, model years from 2011 to 2016 inclusive. We know all the grim details around distracted driving. We understand how dangerous texting and driving is, let alone talking on a mobile phone. And we have laws and penalties to deal with it. But how often, per day, do you see someone yakking on a cell phone or texting at a stoplight? Now safety regulators in the states are proposing new guidelines to curb distracted driving, including asking phone makers to include a driver mode. This would limit the use of, of a smartphone, any smartphone, behind the wheel. Essentially, putting all phones into airplane mode automatically is one possibility. Others include Bluetooth-type connection software that would disable the phone until the vehicle is turned off. Sound a bit arbitrary? Well, some phone makers already have Do Not Disturb apps, which reduce capability, but nowhere is this mandatory. This conversation is just beginning and isn't likely to end without some form of new regulations reducing mobile phone capabilities while driving. And finally, Relax News is predicting virtual restaurants will be one of the biggest food trends in New York in 2017. Using Uber-style delivery services, some of the best chefs will whip up your gourmet favorites and have them whisked to your front door. No four layers of clothing, no parking, no babysitter. Dinner in your jammies, or less, if you insist. All part of the expansion of the sharing economy in the food business in the Big Apple, which, by the way, is just catching up to similar services already successful in L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, and, yes, of course, here in Vancouver, too. I guess it's a West Coast thing. Now, if we can just do the same thing for home-delivered gourmet breakfasts, those are some of the stories we're following this week. We'll have some more later on. Linda will be along, too, with another Steel Report. This time, a look at feeding the family over the holidays. Up next, a visit from Can Sleep with excellent information for people with sleep issues, some of whom may be dealing with a manageable condition they don't even know they have. And we'll take your calls, too. Stay with us. This is Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. Cloudy skies at 11.13 in Vancouver. Good morning. It's a pleasure to welcome the folks from Can Sleep to Vancouver Consumer this week, making a return appearance to the airwaves of CKNW is Can Sleep President and CEO Bob Liu. Nice to see you, Bob. Good morning, Starlings. Good morning to you. And making a debut appearance from the Indigo ENT Group is Dr. Zamil Duji. Good morning, Doc. Good morning. How are you today, sir? Very good. It's a pleasure to be here, Sterling. Well, it's good to have you with us, and it's great to have an MD in in this conversation, isn't it, Bob? Yes, because absolutely. Because we're talking about a condition, and I said off the top, maybe taking a bit of a shot in the dark here, Dr. Duji, but uh, uh, talking about some people listening to this program right now who perhaps have a manageable condition they don't know about. All they know is, I don't sleep very well. Is that where people who come to see you at your office at the Indigro ENT group, do, they, do people just come in and go, look, I don't know what's wrong, but I don't sleep well? Yes, Sterling, quite a bit. I, I get that 
often. Uh, the the amount of people that come in with actual sleep issues, feeling tired, they feel unrefreshed, they have what we call fragmented sleep. They yeah. wake up multiple times a night, either to pee or to with heartburn at night. It's uh, it, it. I see that multiple times a day. Uh, we find that you know as, along they have the daytime tiredness. They fall asleep at the wheel sometimes. You know, there's increased risks of you know, motor vehicle incidents mm-hmm. or work-related injuries. So we see a lot of this come in um, just off the street. And, uh, you know, we're referred by their family physicians or other cardiologists or respirologists who have seen these problems. So we see a lot of this daily. Okay. And and we're talking, Bob Lou, about a condition called uh, OAS. O- o- OSA. Yeah. OSA. Obstructive, Obstructive sleep, sleep, sleep apnea. apnea. Like, you yeah, can tell who's the non-medical <laughs> person in this conversation in a big hurry, can't you? Yeah. What, what yeah. are we talking about? What is, what what is that? Is, yeah, essentially, we individuals who are experiencing sort of pauses in breathing uh, due to basically, you know, during sleep uh, due to blockages in the upper airway. So okay. these are folks that are unable to get a good night's sleep because essentially they're, um, you know, stopping receiving oxygen to their bodies. So they're waking up and gasping for air and so forth. So, so. this uh, sleep apnea, obstructive sleep apnea, OSA, get the initials right, <laughs> Sterling, uh, uh, is is it something you're born with? Is it something you catch? How, uh, how, does, it, how does a person get uh, sleep apnea. So, Sterling, no, it's not something you can catch, but uh, okay. it, does, it does run in families, actually. Oh, it's genetic, then. Yeah, and okay. there, are, there are differences between pediatrics, so sleep apnea in kids, versus sleep apnea in adults for very different reasons. Uh, sleep apnea in kids is quite reversible um, uh, with surgery, with medical treatment as well. When we get into adults, it gets a little bit more tricky. And so you need very accurate uh, sleep testing and a diagnosis before you move forward with that. Is it something, is uh, sleep apnea something, you mentioned the word cures, especially in relation to children who have sleep apnea, th- that's a situation that could be reversed because they're so young. Is it something in adults that eventually goes away or once you discover what you're dealing with, it, does it become a kind of a lifelong management situation? Just like your blood pressure and uh, diabetes, it, it does become more of a lifestyle management and a, and a um, treating uh, as you go on throughout the years. In uh, some cases, it is curable, um, and that would be the minority, however. Okay. We had a conversation uh, just uh, the other day with a colleague of mine from down the hall, Scott Allen from Rock 101, who is a can sleep. Bob, you, you know Scott quite yes. well. Yeah. He's, uh, he's going to tr- drop in and, 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 uh, and, and uh, have a few words because he uh, is uh, a broadcaster. He's in, uh, just down the hall, about 100 feet from us now. Uh, and uh, he has, uh, he, he's going to tell us his story. Uh, and I think, uh, and we'll hear Scott's story in a second because yeah. he tells it much better than I. Yeah. But it's basically he t- he says um uh, somebody else tells you you have this condition regardless of uh, my brother has sleep apnea he didn't know he had it either until his uh his wife said look either you do something about this snoring or we have a problem and i think scott's story is very similar yeah. it's true if that's you correct. have this condition Certainly, you that's, it absolutely. typically you don't know do you absolutely because um, you know, obviously the individual who's suffering from the syndrome is trying to sleep, but it's often their sleep partner who recognizes, who's observing the pauses in the breathing, the stoppage in breathing, right. and, you know, watching the person sort of gasp in the middle of the night for air. So they're the ones who are much more aware of it and the situation. And just to add to that, I, I see 
at least one patient a day that comes in with a sleep apnea problem or a snoring issue okay. where their partner is outside the bedroom already. They've already they've already split bedrooms yes. by, by the time they come to I you. know people like this. Yes. I have friends. She sleeps in one room and he sleeps in the other because he's just too loud. Yes. You know, they've been married forever, and uh, that's, 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 their, that's the negotiated arrangement that they've come to that they can be together, uh, just separate bedrooms. And it's not the most romantic thing in the world, but for them it works. Yeah, that's right. So it's a condition that's not affecting the person's health, but also affecting relationships as well. And, you know, that's why we, we think it's an important issue to be dealt with. Okay, well, let's, let's get Scott on the radio here. Scott Allen from Rock 101 joining us here on Vancouver Consumer. Hello. Hello, Sterling. Nice of you to give up a little bit of your Sunday to tell us about your experience with can sleep. You're a sleep apnea sort of human being. I am. I am indeed. It was um, it was kind of a grassroots start to get uh, involved with them uh, from from a from an endorsement perspective. Uh, happened to mention to someone here at the station that uh, I have sleep apnea and that uh, I use the CPAP machine. So um, it was then uh, we got in touch with them, and uh, a dialogue uh, ensued, Mm -hmm. and uh, it turned into kind of an endorsement situation. Um, It all started with, uh, (laughs) this is apparently a really common story. Uh, My wife, uh, she told me at one point, she's like, I'm going to have to strangle you because I cannot get a good night's sleep when you're around. Uh, you snore like crazy. Sometimes you stop breathing in the middle of the night. Wow! For thirty to forty-five seconds, you'll wake up all flustered, sure. out of breath. And I'm like, yeah, that explains a lot. So, now, how long had you been married? How long had she tolerated your snoring before before she finally said, "Okay, listen, this is we have to talk." This was uh, we've been married four years, and this was before we were married. So, uh, I've been a I guess I've been a client for I guess about four four or five years now. But uh, I I was probably living with sleep apnea, unbeknownst to me, for years. So be- before this conversation mm-hmm. with your wife and uh, pointing out the fact that you snore a lot, of course, you're sound asleep. You yeah. didn't know. I don't know. So, But you were, you knew something was wrong. You just weren't getting the kind of sleep you need. Exactly. And Tired. for how many years, Scott, did you know that something was wrong, but you couldn't put your finger on it? It's hard to know because at the time, I was, uh, I was, I was doing radio overnights and stuff, so you're tired anyway. Sure, yeah. You know, working weird shifts and all that kind of stuff. And because of that, you, you probably attribute it to that. When in fact, no, it's it's the sleep apnea. You're exhausted all the time. Right. And, so. and, and you find yourself waking up multiple times every oh. night, sometimes in a cold sweat, too, it, I'll bet you, right? Most times in a cold sweat. And and I don't know, when you're a single guy, you don't really you just think, oh, I'm not sleeping well because right. of work or stress. Too or, many beers before whatever. bed. Yeah, maybe I was out on the town. I don't know. Sure. But, uh, but then once you actually put your finger on it and and realize, uh, like a, a healthcare professional tells you, no, you have a condition and it needs to be dealt with because this will take years off your life. Right. Um, so it all started. I, I saw my, my family doctor who referred me to uh, a sleep doctor who then referred me to, once he did some tests and found out it was indeed sleep apnea, referred me to CanSleep. And uh, they got me started. They got with the uh, the CPAP breathing machine and the and the mask, and uh, it's fantastic now. I I sleep soundly through the night. What sort of tests were performed on you to determine uh, the diagnosis? Oh, sleep tests. They they put like diodes on you, and you go to sleep, and uh, and then they 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 read the uh, the results. Were you surprised when they told you how many times oh. your heart had stopped? 
Yeah, well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, that's, that's freaky stuff, isn't it? It really is. That's why you wake up, because your heart stops. Oh, yeah, and you wake up gasping. Yeah. It's, it's like someone had, had their hands around your throat or something, and you, you, know, you wake up like that, and it's very jarring. Um, but the CPAP machine's wonderful, because it, it keeps the airway open. So that never happens anymore. So now here's the big question, because uh, I, I have never had to use a CPAP machine. My brother has for a long time, and mm-hmm. so I've seen it up close and personal. But how did you adjust to sleeping with a device on the middle of your face? That must have been, he said, putting his hand over <laughs> his face, so it made it difficult to hear what he was saying. Sorry about that. But no. how, how was that adjustment? Because I can't imagine it myself. It, it really was no adjustment at all. Uh, initially, I guess the, the newfangled uh, mask is only supposed to cover your nose. That's right. That's what my brother has now. It's a new whiz-bang toy that he loves it. Well, they offered me that, and I know sort of what kind of sleeper I am. I roll over and stuff a lot. Right. So I know I'll knock... I, I'm sure I would knock that off in my sleep. So I said, no, I'll take the old school full face mask. And so I kind of look like, you know, Maverick from Top Gun when I'm wearing this thing. Right, of course, yeah. But uh, it stays secure and uh, it forms a nice seal around your face. Oh, it does? Yeah. Okay. See, that would be what I would envision as being the most difficult thing to adjust to. But I suppose the other side of that coin, Scott, Mm -hmm. is that if you haven't had a decent night's sleep in five years, (laughs) I mean, you could put a a catcher's mitt on my face if I was going to sleep well tonight. A a minimal adjustment to make the trade-off being a decent night's sleep. Indeed. Okay, so how long after you began using the CPAP machine did your wife say, my gosh, you're a human being after all? Instantly. Instantly. You, You feel refreshed. The same week, like the the results are immediate. Um, you you start to notice. This is going to sound very cliche, but like you're awake, so food tastes better, and you notice things when you're driving more, and you're not. It's less of sort of a tunnel vision of life. And I I, I truly believe that a lot. There's a lot of people probably out there who who suffer from sleep apnea who don't know it who chalk it up to the stresses of life and sure, whatnot, sure. commuting, and they're just this sort of like, I just got to get home, and mm-hmm. I just got to eat something, and then I got to go to sleep. and Got to, got to, got to. You don't want 30, 40 years to go by and uh, realize, God, I could have been living a much more open and uh, enriching life. Is this a condition that sort of comes upon you, or are you born with it? Because you said you lived with it for a few years before you finally put your, your finger on it. How yes. many years, Scott, did you did you know something was off kilter, but you, you couldn't pin it down? Uh, well, again, uh, with, with doing radio overnights uh, when I first got into the business years ago, uh, it, it was probably happening then, mm. but it was the symptoms were masked by the fact that, uh, you know, you're up all night, and you, you go to sleep around 7 o'clock in the morning, and then you get up around one or two in the afternoon, so there's not enough sleep, but sure. you have stuff to do, so you have to get up, and, and then you go back and do it again that night. So you think you're just tired from that, and I'm sure some of that is attributed to that, but you're also, uh, for me anyway, it was uh, it was sleep apnea for Talk sure. Talk to us about the people that can sleep before we let you go here, Scott, mm-hmm. because they're a great team. they got locations all over town. Which, which is the one you go to most? Yes, I go to the one in Coquitlam. Okay. And uh, they're fantastic. I, whenever I've needed anything, if I need a new strap for the mask or whatever, it's you don't have to order it. You walk in, boom, they can sell them to you right there. It's, uh, it's on the spot. Uh, parts for the machine, what have you? Because I have had it for a few years, so they do need service, whatnot. I've uh, I've gone in uh, to speak with techs, and they they will go over your your current 
they plug a machine into your into your machine and uh just like your car a diagnostic computer right it's exactly like that yeah Yeah. and they and they they tell you where you're at you're sleeping is much better here's where you were six months ago here's where you are now and it's uh, it's very good. So it's you can try and track your progress. Then they, oh, yeah. they keep a, they keep a, a file on you. Yeah, it, there's not really much to track though because you feel better instantly. <laughs> like it's it really is amazing. And I'm I'm hardly a, a testimonial kind of guy, but I, I think if if more people can be helped uh, by this, it's uh, it's it's a much more enriching way to uh, to live. Well, for a non-testimonial kind of guy, that's pretty top-drawer stuff. Thank you for this. You're very welcome. Thank you. Scott Allen from Rock 101. And there you go. Thanks, Scott, very much for popping in. Bob Liu and uh, Dr. Zamil Duji from uh, the Indigo ENT group. Dr. Duji is an ear, nose, and throat uh, specialist uh, and working in very cl- close collaboration with the mm-hmm. Can Sleep. In fact, Bob Lou, many Can Sleep locations are co-located very near to Indigo ENT Group locations. Absolutely true. And just maybe before I just jump into that, I just want to thank Scott. And in terms of just sharing that uh, very positive story and his experience uh, with you know with the. Uh, with the, with the CPAP device, et cetera. Right. So uh, glad that we were able to help uh, him along as well. And we'll talk about devices, and we'll talk to some, hopefully, some CKNW listeners who may or may not be dealing with sleep apnea. And with the doctor in the house, and don't forget, we don't do diagnosis on the telephone, but we certainly can dispense some uh, short-term medical advice. Let's open up the phone lines, Matt. It's uh, 604-280-9898. 604-280-9898. We'll take a quick break for a quick newscast, and we'll come right back with our friends from Can Sleep and include your calls here on Vancouver Consumer on News Talk 980 CKNW. 11.34 this Grey Cup Sunday morning. Sterling Fox with you on CKNW and Vancouver Consumer, joined in studio by Bob Liu, President and CEO of Can Sleep, and by Dr. Zamil Duji from the Indigo ENT Group, ear, nose, and throat specialist. And we were talking, Bob, just before the news uh, about the fact that in many locations, not all, yeah. uh, first of all, how many Can Sleep locations are there uh, currently? Because I know there's one, one coming yeah, downtown. We have uh, eight locations. Okay. And we also have an affiliate uh, clinic in Victoria as well. All right. Yeah. So, and, and many of those locations, not yeah, all. Several of them are, um, to answer your question, yeah, co-lo- co-located right. with, uh, with the ENT offices. But I think it's just a natural extension of the collaboration that we do have in working very closely with doctors and, um, and specialists as well. And furthermore, you know, we see ourselves as really an integrated provider of solutions for, you know, OSA and snoring. So, you know, we work with uh, sleep expert dentists, um, you know, holistic food nutritionists, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, cognitive behavioral therapists, you know, can provide a more comprehensive solution to people who are experiencing difficulties with sleep. Dr. Doji, as the surgeon in this conversation, how many people come to you with some kind of, they know something's wrong, they know it has to do with the fact that they don't sleep very well, and they say, look, um, can I just? Can you just operate on me and fix me, and then we can just end this thing, and I can get on with the rest of my life? Yes, yeah, Sterling. They they actually do present like that quite often, and they say, you know, can you fix me? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, I want I want my sleep apnea, I want my snoring gone more so, um, and I have to take the time to to speak with them about that and educate them that it's not just snoring that may be the problem, that sleep apnea may be underlying, and that's. That's a life-threatening issue we're talking about. 
And that's the issue that needs to be fixed. Now, when it comes to treatment, I always advise to all of my patients that they try any and all of the non-invasive therapies prior to undergoing any kind of surgical procedure. Fair enough, right? yeah. Surgical procedures end up being the minority of our patients um, that, that they require to treat their sleep apnea. Why? Because there's, there's not a great surgical procedure out there that can cure sleep apnea aside from uh, quite invasive maneuver of actually moving the upper and lower jaws forward. And that's, you know... Sounds it, complicated. It sounds quite complicated and, and hard to do in, in BC, actually. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, for my patients, I always recommend that, that uh, they go through CPAP therapy. If that fails, they uh, get an oral appliance. If that fails, um, they come back to me as a last resort. Okay, uh, Bob Lou, let's get down to basics here. What is CPAP? What does that stand for, and what is CPAP therapy? Right. So CPAP stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure Machine, so that's what how people generally, for short, describe them as CPAP machines. Okay. Um, so CPAP therapy is essentially you know, a combination of things, but obviously in terms of providing CPAP as a solution is providing a machine that has an interface with a tube and a mass to provide basically gentle air or pressurized air to keep the airway open. So it's air, not oxygen, right? That's correct. Okay. Yes, yeah. And, and, course, and that's, in, that's the first the air, mistake a lot of people oxygen, make. But, but it's not air. like divers and their oxygen tanks or anything like that. It's a whole different thing, right? Right. Okay. So in addition to that, too, of course, we recommend oftentimes if it's related to a person's uh, size or body type, you know, in terms of uh, associated with uh, weight, for example. So we are also looking at other... Uh, this is why dietitians and nutritionists are part of your team That's of correct. consultants then, because Absolutely. weight is a factor. Is that right? That's correct. Yeah, there's a strong correlation between, you know, uh, weight of the individual and and sleep apnea. This is strong. Yeah. Just to add to that, so some of the stats are is that if you lose 10% of your weight, your sleep apnea will actually drop by about 25%. Uh, the amount of sleep apnea you have. And the same goes the other way. If you gain 10%, you can gain about 25%. You can intensify the apnea? Exactly. Interesting. So uh, when a person comes to... Oh, by the way, if if a person's going to go to one of the uh, many can-sleep locations around town, Bob, for a test, they've heard this thing on the radio, and and life just is not going the way it should. It's all about stress, and we're good at making... Scott was talking about that. We're great at making excuses for how crummy we feel when we don't sleep well. And we've got a a long list of reasons why. But ultimately, it may be a physical condition that we don't even know we have. So when when we go to the family doctor and we say, Doc, I'm not sleeping well. It's just not happening here. What can can I do? Do physicians refer patients to you to can't sleep? Or can people just come to you minus a a physician's referral? Yeah, there are several ways that a a client can wind up at can't sleep. Certainly, we work... uh, very closely with physicians, and we do a lot of work in terms of raising the awareness uh, within physicians that we work with. Um, and you know, oftentimes we will get that direct referral from them. But in addition to that, a, phys- a, a client could also come directly to one of our many clinics to get uh, you know a sleep study done. So they hear this on the radio; they don't need permission from their doctor to make an appointment at Cancel. That's correct. They don't necessarily have to go through the, to see a doctor first, you know, and then come to our clinic. They can certainly come to our clinic directly. We work very closely with with their doctors, sure. so we would, you know, supply the test results and we will send them off to their family physician and work again collaboratively with them right. in terms of a sleep uh, therapy. 
uh, for them. Okay. Uh, we did open up the phone lines. Let's include some calls as we go forward. Uh, Alan in Vancouver, thanks for waiting. Good morning. Yeah, thanks very much. Not at all. Uh, I am on treatment now. I have a, uh, a question I never asked my therapist, and that is uh, with the volume of air going into your lungs, like on a five-hour, well, say a six-hour sleep, does it actually have a beneficial effect as far as oxygen coming in because of the volume of air? That's an interesting question. Do you want to take this one, Dr. Duji? Yeah, so uh, thanks for your call. It, it's um, it's difficult to say exactly what is going on when that C- when that air pressure is getting into your lungs, depending on your specific situation. So there are some people with regular normal lungs where you're basically just providing um, that uh, surrounding air and oxygen uh, into the into the depths of the lungs. But there are others with um, conditions like COPD or chronic obstructive pulmonary disease right. where a CPAP may not be the most beneficial um, treatment for them. So that's why it's important to talk to your respiratory therapist and and uh, your home care company as well as your physician as to is this the right um, therapy for you. Alan, did you have any of those conditions such as COPD or anything else uh, complicating your, your personal situation? Uh, no, I don't okay. think so. But I, I do have a friend, and uh, he's he takes oxygen when he gets up in the morning. Uh, he takes a few. Uh, he may not be through a doctor or an authorized uh, system, but uh, he says he feels wonderful after he gets his uh, several breaths of oxygen, which uh, is different than I understand. This is different, but I, I sort of just thought maybe I would be getting more oxygen, which would be good for me. Okay, it's a fair ball question anyway, isn't it? It's an interesting one. I hadn't thought about it. It hadn't occurred to me for a second that that might affect in some way the oxygen balance in your system. So technically you are getting more oxygen yeah. if you're obstructing at night, right? So right. you're pushing through that obstruction in the upper airway and getting more oxygen to your lungs, yes. Bob, we all remember the old roof on BC Place Stadium because when we would in, you just about, just about got blown out of your socks with that air lock thing. Yes. That was a constant degree of air pressure at all times being maintained to keep the roof inflated in place. That's the same principle as a CPAP machine, isn't it? Absolutely correct, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a registered therapist myself, but, you know, the simplest way it was described to me is kind of like think of it as kind of a reverse vacuum, you know, where you've got the air coming out through the back of it. And that's what the machine is providing. Right. Um, that air down, you know, your upper airway. Uh, my brother, as I mentioned to Scott, uh, has had uh, sleep apnea for a long time. So I've lived with it in my family fairly close for at least, I'm thinking, 20, 25 years. How long have CPAP machines been available as a therapy to the general public, Bob? Well, we're guessing probably 50 to 60 years. Oh, okay. I, I, I don't know it as, as a fact, but I do know just in the recent years that uh, I've been involved with it, there's been tremendous changes uh, in the in the device himself. Well, I was going to say, technology. Uh, yeah. no, I'm noticing he visited <laughs> recently, and the device he carried into the house this time was much smaller than some he'd had in the past. So that's just technology and miniaturization, right? Absolutely. I think last time we were here, we had a caller who came in and uh, described that his his device he was wheeling around in basically in a trolley. So, you know, times have changed since then, thankfully, and uh, the products today are much smaller, more convenient, you know, lighter, smaller, uh, 
less loud as well. So. Well, on on that note, mm-hmm. if, for example, someone who has a CPAP machine, uh, shall we say of a certain vintage, <laughs> that uh, they've been contemplating, well, you know, I hear they're, they're a little spiffier these days. It's 2016, almost 2017. How, how, do, they, how do they upgrade? How do they learn about new, new devices and, and all, the, all the miniaturization stuff? Yeah, we provide a, you know, a complimentary evaluation of okay. their device. I think it's important to have them come in to check, especially if they haven't been in to, to see their provider in a long time, to see, firstly, that the equipment is still working at peak uh, you know, condition, and secondly, as well, all the accessories that accompany that is, uh, you know, has been looked into to make sure that it's, uh, you know, that it's clean mm-hmm. and that it's, uh, you know, working well as well. Dr. Duji, back to you, sir, because you were talking moments ago about there are life-threatening aspects to this particular condition, sleep apnea. Uh, talk to us about what happens when you are... Uh, and I guess there are mild and severe degrees of having this condition, but what what's the life threatening component to it? Right. So thanks, Sterling. The, the the main component when you have sleep apnea is either you've stopped breathing or you've dropped your breathing enough to cause a drop in your oxygen. So when that oxygen drop occurs, your your brain says, "Okay, I'm not getting any oxygen. Mm-hmm. Let, let me breathe." So it signals the lungs to breathe, but because of an upper airway obstruction. It can't do so. So the body starts to panic. Your heart rate starts to jump. Your blood pressure rises. Eventually, it's that fight over time that causes, you know, the 76% correlation of heart failure, the um, the 83% um, correlation with multi-drug resistant high blood pressure, uh, coronary artery, artery disease at 57%, and heart arrhythmia at 50%, and and if you've even had treatment for that heart arrhythmia, you still have about a 60% chance of getting that heart arrhythmia again mm. if you're if it's untreated. So these things can be life-threatening, and you also have a two times risk compared to the normal population of a sudden cardiac death. Wow. And all of this, of course, is completely involuntary. You're sound asleep, and then suddenly, for whatever reason, you stop breathing, your onboard emergency alarm system goes off, your heart starts to pump faster, you wake yourself up, sometimes in a cold sweat, you're gasping for air, and then you're back online. How many times per hour or per sleep event does this happen in a typical sleep apnea patient, Doc? So it, it all depends on, on exactly how many times an hour are you doing this. So um, in, in the normal population, less than five times an hour is still considered normal. Okay. But anywhere from 5 to 15 times an hour is mild, and 15 to 30 is moderate, and over 30 is severe. Um, and, you know, certainly it's not the—you it, don't always see it in just a typical patient. The overweight um, patient, they have, you know, a big tongue or big tonsils. There are a lot of patients that I see that are— very skinny, um, who have open airways when mm-hmm. we do an endoscopy and we have a look at the upper airway. It's not only an obstructive issue, it's a neuromuscular issue. So the, the tone in the muscles just starts to drop at night. So it's not just the typical person you see on the street. Sleep apnea can reside in a lot of people, and that's why it's, it, you, know, you still have that 85 to 90% undiagnosed rate for the moderate to severe patients. Well, let's see if we can narrow that number or lower it a little bit here, Bob. How does one go about, suppose again, you know, you're listening to Scott, for example, who uh, went about working and wrote it all off to stress and weird shift times and work schedules, and we were good at making excuses for ourselves, but he knew something was wrong. 
Yeah. So how do you go about getting yourself tested? Something's just not right here. It may be I've got some kind of sleep disorder. How do I go about verifying that? Right. Well, the number one thing, you know, is is awareness. And that's what, you know, Scott talked about. In this case, you know, his wife was noticing it. That's right. But, you know, that's uh, when you do notice that you have these symptoms, your sleep partner is noticing that is suggesting that you go firstly to see your doctor and see and discuss these symptoms that that you have. And the doctor will, may or will refer to, uh, you know, uh, a, a can sleep location like ourselves mm-hmm. to get the sleep study to be done. So that they come in and we do a diagnostic test with them, an in-home test they can take home with them overnight. And then we will obtain the results to determine whether that individual is likely to to have obstructive sleep apnea or so not. So is that and, one overnight testing experience sufficient to uh, provide a diagnosis? Well, it depends if the individual is successful with that test overnight because sometimes, you know, it does change their habit a little bit because ah, you're wearing a, little a device to, it. Right, sure. to, to try to sleep. So in some cases, the individual isn't successful to sleep long enough to give us the, the test results that we're looking for. So let me try, you know, another night. But... Ultimately, it's still a fairly convenient way of determining whether you have this uh, condition. And this one for both of you, because Scott, again, was talking about his wife, who patiently, well, ran out of patience eventually and said, look, this is, this is, going, this is not going well. You have a sleep problem. Um, how important is it or how beneficial is it to you professionals when the person with the disorder plus the sleep partner show up for that first consultation? Is it helpful that the sleep partner, the person who put you into this line in the first place, is with you when you go? Yeah, it's 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 very important actually. Um, the the patient often, again, like you said, doesn't really know or doesn't remember what goes on at night. They sure. just feel the effects during the day, sometimes uh, and most of the time actually. But their bed partners as collateral information is very very important. Um, we can tell from that, do they actually have apneas or actually stoppages of breathing right. at night, which is a very key indicator that you know this might be going on more and more often, or are they having gasping or choking episodes? Are they restless and constantly kicking their legs, which, which can also cause a sleep disorder, right? And uh, I'm looking at uh, cansleep.ca. I pulled it up on my screen here. Uh, there's a book now button. So I'm assuming, Bob Lou, that if a person takes this conversation to heart, for example, listening to us this morning on Vancouver Consumer and goes, you know, I, c- I could probably go through that. Um, uh, is it expensive? And how quickly can you get it done? Firstly, it's, yeah, it's complimentary, so there's, there's no cost to the individual to do so. And as you've uh, indicated there, they can go online to book uh, right online with us, or they can call our 1-800 number or, any directly, or directly to any, to any one of our offices. Okay, and you have conveniently uh, several offices all over Metro Vancouver, That's correct. too. Yes. North Vancouver, Burnaby, New Westminster, Coquitlam, Surrey, Delta, and coming soon uh, in early 2017, a downtown Vancouver location as well. That's right. Cansleep.ca is the website, friends. Uh, all the, uh, the phone numbers, the emails, and the book now button are all right there at uh, cansleep.ca. Uh, any final thoughts uh, to, to the doctor here uh, uh, for those listening who still aren't convinced but know they're not sleeping well? All I can say is that if uh, if you're not sleeping well, talk to your physician about it. Get some more information. And, and I hope that, that we brought a little bit more awareness out there for the actual problem of sleep apnea. Um, and just to say it's not the only sleep disorder out there, but it is a big component of it. All right, Bob, final thoughts? Um, 
yeah, like uh, Dr. Duji, we just, you know, we're here. We feel it's important to create that awareness. Right. And if we can do our part this morning to, you know, to raise that To provoke a call or an ex- appointment exactly. or two? Exactly, yeah. Then we feel we've done our It our is astonishing here. how many people have this condition and just don't know about it and go on and live with it for years. So anything we can do to help alleviate that situation, it is our pleasure. Bob Liu and Dr. Zamil Duji, thank you both for coming in. It's great to have you on the show. Terrific information this morning. Thank you very much, Sterling. Thank back you, with, Sterling. Back with more right after this. Our thanks to Bob Liu and Dr. Zamil Duji from CanSleep for a really informative visit to the show today. And thanks for your calls, too. Up next week, sprucing up your home for the entertaining season, cleaning tips and carpet care with the folks from Citrus O. Right now, it's time for the Steel Report. Today, Linda has some thoughts about feeding the family for the holidays. Hey, I'm Linda Steele, and this is the Steel Report. With American Thanksgiving come and gone, many of us Canadians may be thinking about how to feed our families this holiday season. Meat Supervisor for Choices Markets, Rob Hunt, says when it comes to looking into meat for your Christmas feast, make sure you do your research. You've got lots of options. You've got organic turkeys. You've got premium, like your heirloom heritage. You have specialty, which is a step up from from, uh, conventional. And then you've got RWA, which is raised without antibiotics. Rob says if getting a healthy turkey is your main priority, try looking for one without antibiotics. The thing that I like about the antibiotic-free birds is there is nothing that they have been given. It, it goes more than antibiotics. If, if they're given the antibiotics, it means that they are in a stressed environment where they are given the antibiotics to keep them healthy. If they're in a non-stressed environment, they, uh, they don't need the antibiotics because they're not crowded. He also recommends buying local meat and supporting farmers right here in the Lower Mainland. Supporting the local farmers who in turn support you know, Canadian Tire, who and the local tractor buyers and all that kind of stuff. So we try and keep it as local as we can. That's, that's my main goal. Happy feasting. The Steel Report for Alpine Credits. Homeowners get approved. Visit alpinecredits.ca. Thank you, Linda. Steel and Drex, weekday afternoons, 2 to 6, on News Talk 980 CKNW. A couple of consumer quickies before we go. Ever notice how it's possible that you and your neighbor will pay a different price for the same item you both bought online? It's called dynamic or targeted pricing, and it's quite profitable. Online retailers look at things like your postal code, and as they track every item you click on on their websites, they develop a profile of you and what they think they should charge you. Even sometimes using a mobile phone instead of a desktop will net you a lower price. They'll tell you it's like a bazaar in which the seller sizes each customer up before deciding the opening price for an item. For you only, you've heard it before, experts suggest the best way to get a better price is to be a very obvious comparison shopper. Retailers can tell where you've been comparing and they'll respond to someone who's not going to get ripped off quite as easily as others. A few more words about debt as we plunge into the shopping season. And this time it's common sense as much as anything else. If you're going to use a credit card to buy something, especially a soup Per deal, And if you don't pay off the balance on your credit card quickly, then whatever savings you thought you were getting at the time of purchase will be wiped out by the interest charged by your credit card company. In other words, the faster you can pay down your card, 
the better your chances of actually having made a saving. Also, save all your receipts and keep a running tally of your purchases so there are no surprises. Plus, it's useful for returns, too. Bottom line, resist impulse buys. Think through a purchase and be sure it's going to work for your budget. And then, relax and enjoy the season. And that's our show for this week. Thanks to producer Matt Humphrey for another outstanding effort. And thank you for joining us. I'm Sterling Fox. We're back next Sunday with another edition of Vancouver Consumer. Jody Vance up next after the news right here on News Talk 980 CKNW. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW.